G'day and welcome to the Aussie Pastor Live, right here on Faith FM. G'day, g'day, g'day. My name is Lloyd Grolleman, the Aussie Pastor, and I'm coming to you live from my studios in northwest Sydney on August 29, the 241st day of the year. Welcome to the program. We're glad you're joining with us, and a great big warm welcome to you, Hunty. How you going? Hey, great. Thank you, listeners, for joining us also. It's good to have you on board this afternoon. I'm going great. You are going great. Now, well, you had a terrible week, though, for you. I something did. something just gigantically cataclysmic went down in your life your computer your beloved and oh. not too old apple macbook computer I state know. of the oh, art i know blew up two years old only two years old and it just stopped working and that's a disaster i spent like till five o'clock the other morning trying to fix it end up giving in taking it into apple and they're going to fix the formula and give me a new one, so, so I'm kind of happy about that. We're in here and we're running on a wing and a prayer we today. we got our old, my old steam-powered computer that's it, seven or eight years old and today. Things are not working as no, they normally no, do. No, no, it's, it's all good. It's all good. <laughs> it's not good from my end. No. I've got no timing. Got no time I'm running blind. I'm in the dark. And so who knows where this program could... I've, could, got, a, I've got a timer. It says nine minutes. <laughs> who knows where this program could go today uh, right, but the right. Lord. So why don't we start? I think it's very appropriate that we turn this show up down and start with a prayer today because we're going to need the Lord's help. Sure. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for this great opportunity this afternoon to lift you high in front of our community, Lord. Especially, I want to thank you for my pastor, Lloyd, as he opens the Bible and uh, delivers such a great message that I know our listeners will be blessed with. But Lord, most of all, I want to please ask you to bless all of our listeners. Lord, please grant their heart's desires. And thank you again, Lord, for this great opportunity this afternoon. We put this program in your hands, in your precious name, Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Hunty. It's August 29, this day in history. It's the 241st day of wow. the year. Christmas is almost here. What happened in history on this day? 708 AD. I'm still using AD. Yeah, me too. Copper coins were minted for the first time. Hunty, guess where they were minted? Uh, Rome. No. No. This is copper coins. Yeah, copper. Yeah. Japan. Would you believe oh, that? Japan. I would never have guessed that. Oh. 1898, on this day, August 29, Goodyear Tire Company was formed in Akron, Ohio. Ever run Goodyears on your car, mate? Mm. Good good tyres? Bad tyres? No, I do like my Goodyear tyres. So they are good tyres to this day? I've had a great run out of them, yep. Okay, August 29, 1912, a typhoon strikes China, killing, would you believe it, 50,000 people. So even 100-plus years ago, natural disasters were wreaking havoc on the earth. Uh, 1949, sad day, the Soviet Union, August 29, 1949, the Soviet Union tested their first atomic bomb. This one, Hunty, right down your alley, 1966, the Beatles performed their last concert. Guess where? Uh, US. Whereabouts? Where um, would you if you were the Beatles? Oh, New York. Close. Oh, whereabouts? San Francisco. <laughs> <laughs> the other side of the nation. The opposite side of the At Candlestick Stadium. But if you know history of San Francisco, it's probably pretty appropriate the Beatles have their last concert there. Hey, what about this one? 1997, Netflix launched. Yes. And I remember when they launched, 
Um, now, who were the big video stores? They launched, that's the whole point. Yeah. On this day, August 29, yeah. 1997, they launched as a DVD rental that's store. That's right. They tried to compete with, with stores that had VHSs and DVDs. They did pretty good too, did they? They must have because they've launched. People and laughed at them. Why would we want to go through the post for our movies? And did it work? It did. Did you ever hire a Netflix video? I didn't. DVD? I was more than happy to go to my local video store. Okay, so mm. you, okay. Were you, were you ever, back in the day? Were you a video store proponent or not? I can really? remember on a Saturday night getting yeah, my friends too. together and get some popcorn. Let's all go to the video store. Let's find a movie we can all watch, and then we'd finally choose one. We go to the counter. I oh, know they're all out now. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, the video store I went to, if they were out, they'd put a little tag on it that would say, this is unavailable. Yes. And then a new release would come out and there'd be about 50 of them. Yeah. <laughs> I, look, you know what? Going back in time, and if there's... Look, I, I don't even know whether there's a single person under 20 listening to us, <laughs> but if they are, they wouldn't have a clue what we're talking about. On a Saturday night, though, going down to the video store, that was a big deal, wasn't it? It was video easy, I think it yeah. was. Well, I, I don't know what store. I, I there used to be a whole heap of them, to be honest. Um, okay, Netflix. Uh, two thousand and five, Hurricane Katrina devastates much of the U.S. Gulf Coast. Remember that one hundred and twenty-five billion oh. in damages. Two thousand odd people dead. That happened on August twenty-nine, two thousand and five. Mm. Births in this day on this beautiful day are nineteen forty-seven. Your namesake, James Hunt. Oh, the the racing car driver. Yeah. Oh. Do you know what his nickname was? No. I'm going to call you this. Uh-oh. Hunt the Shunt. Shunt. <laughs> Do you know why they called him Hunt the Shunt? No, I've Because no he had idea. a practice of shunting car drivers in front of him out of the way. <laughs> well, I'll take that. And I could imagine that's what you'd try to do to me if we were uh, racing. On, Only the you would, on the go-kart track. Yeah, wouldn't get close enough. Um, 1958, it was uh, August 29, Michael Jackson's birthday. By the way, James Hunt died in 1993 of lung cancer. He's only 45 or 6 years old. Wow. Yeah, Michael Jackson, uh, the singer. Yep. He, this is his birthday, 1958. He died of an overdose, I think. In he's, um, he's a bit on the nose now. Radio stations are refusing to play his songs. Are they? Mm. Okay, fair enough. Mm. Um, deaths, Ingrid Bergman. She was born in 1915, famous actress. She died yep. this day, 1982. Lee Marvin, I was born Another under a wandering actor. star. Mm. He, he was uh, born in 1927. He died this day, August 29, 1987. Now, this one, I put this one in for you, oh, Hunty. Good. What's that? Who's this? Because this guy died August 29, 2002. Graham Ronald Strawn. Oh, yes, Cheryl from... Uh, Skyhooks. Skyhooks, yeah, yeah, yeah. Born in 1952. Don't know what happened to that dude. He, he was in his helicopter up yeah. the Sunshine Coast yeah. where I lived, actually. Yep, fell out of the sky. And he just kind of drove it into the side, flew it into the side of a mountain mm. uh, accidentally. Mm. And 2016, don't know much about this guy, Gene Wilde. Apparently, he was a pretty famous actor at he Hollywood, was. too. Born Indeed. in 1933. He died this day, August 29, uh, 2016. And in remembrance, as we finish this little section, John the Baptist beheading, how would they know in a million years what? that this was the day that John the Baptist died? That is makes it, no sense. Is there a plaque somewhere? It just makes no sense to me huh. how they would know. I think some dudes just picked a date out of the air and said, this is the day John the Baptist died and we're going to remember it. But I will say this about John the Baptist. You know Jesus talking about John the Baptist, who was his cousin? If you don't know who John the Baptist was, he was the man who preceded Jesus and prepared the way, mm. like a messenger. Yep. Hey, Jesus is coming. Get ready. 
uh, for a year or two before Jesus arrived. John the Baptist was on the scene. Well, he got you. He got he got beheaded in the end at a party for Herod the king by Herod's stepdaughter, who did this little dance for her stepfather and wanting to reward her. Herod said, "I'll give you anything in the kingdom." She asked for the head of John the Baptist. Terrible. Terrible. So he brought the head of John the Baptist. That was the end of a good man. You know, Jesus said of him, "No greater man has ever lived than John the Baptist." Wow. And today, wow. also in Remembrance is the Ukrainian Armed Forces Remembrance Day. Mm. And these poor people, brave, courageous people, stuck in a brutal war with that despot Putin. Uh, I don't conclude Putin with the Russian people. Uh, today they remember their war dead, and there are thousands and thousands and thousands of young men and women buried in the dirt of Ukraine as they try to defend their homeland. And that's kind of a sobering note to end on, Hunty. Yeah. Um, I want to just share a little snippet from Billy Graham. Do you know who he is? I do. Great, great preacher. Very, very famous Baptist preacher. Died not so long ago. Preached the gospel. Used to preach it with power and authority. Millions and millions of people all over the world have heard Billy Graham, my own dad, who I'm going to interview later today, Mm, Auntie. mm. He went along with his father to listen to Billy Graham in Sydney. He said it's one of the quintessential moments of his life. As we start our program today, listen to what Billy has to say. You can be rich. But if you're without God, what do you have? You have nothing. The Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy and said, Instruct those that are rich in this world's goods not to be proud. Don't fix your hopes on the uncertain things that money can buy. Fix your hope on God. Jesus said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Put God first. God will take care of the rest. But if you put money and pleasure and power first, you're going to be deceived. You're going to come up empty. You're going to come up shorthanded. This is a great Mosey Lister classic. It lives and it deserves to live. Dark of the midnight Have I hid my face While the storms howl above me And there's no hiding place Near the crash of the thunder Precious Lord, hear my cry Till the storm passes by Till the storm passes over Till the thunder sounds no more Till the clouds roll forever from the sky Till the storm 
Many times Satan whispered There is no That's the Gaither vocal band, Bill Gaither and his friends singing up a storm. Oh, yeah. Singing up a storm. You like that little play on words? <laughs> Very nice. Till the storm passes by. I, I, I don't reckon there's better in gospel music in the world today than Bill Gaither. I was talking to hey, a friend uh, of mine. Top of the tree. Yep. I was talking to a friend of mine that's into music the other day, and we're talking about what a, what, what a I was going to say disaster, but, but what a... Legacy. Well, what a legacy, but... but uh, what a challenge it'll be when Bill Gaither passes away, and he must be well into his 80s by now, mm-hmm. but he's transformed good gospel music. And a lot of our churches all around the world, and I'm not talking just Adventist churches, Christian churches are singing Bill Gaither. News, Hunty? Yes, what do we got? What do you think about this idea? I was reading this just this morning. I thought I'm going to put this in because I know you're across it a bit. The idea that Australia, and they are fair income when they were saying this, will be cashless in three years. Is that good? Is that bad? There are ups and downs. The, the the goodness is when you get paid, your tax will go straight to the tax office. Well, it does now, doesn't it? Uh, yes, I guess it does. Um, <laughs> if you, but you won't, you won't have the situation where you owe tax after you've done your tax because you'll do your tax with your tax office and the tax office, if you owe them money, they'll just take it out of your account. Uh, I'm going to give you a dose of reality here, brother. Yes. If you're a tradie, and this is the world I come from, yep. They don't take it out of your account as you earn it. I know it's. it's They take it out of your account Mm. in advance. They do. You have to pay tax. So I'm not. You haven't Mm. got me yet for the cashless society. Keep going. Um, I I like the idea that it stops criminal gangs laundering money and laundering money. um, I don't like the idea, Andrew. Machines and betting and horse racing. I don't like the idea that they can squeeze my access to spending off at a whim that the government can do that. I don't like that for one bit. You get a speeding fine, they'll just take it out of your account instantly. I wonder whether that'll ever happen, really. That's the plan. That's where we're heading for. You reckon? Mm. I think it's all about... Look, I, I, am I a... 
Am I a conspiracy theorist? Not in the slightest. No, no. no. But I still, I think this is the government trying to stick their nose in further than is necessary. Well, there's a lot of people who won't who won't get money. Buskers, um, prostitutes. There's a bunch of people who will not be able to function because. Well, with prostitutes, we would hope they would know Jesus. Yes, of course. And not participate in that trade. That's right. so but even kids selling cookies door to door for first Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts and fundraising, nope, that's done. Well, maybe you'll be able to take your Apple Watch and they can just. Yeah, I guess so. I just don't look. I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I don't think I'll ever be a conspiracy theorist. But I don't like the way that the Australian government or any government in the world could just turn the tap off because you did something they don't like. Yeah. And I think cash has been a security for a lot of people to what I would call big government interference. And the government has shown itself from Victoria right through to the federal governments, and I say Victoria because I think they've got one of the worst performing governments in the history of Australia when it comes to freedoms. Mm. I'm not talking about uh, Labor or Liberal or Greens or whoever. I'm just talking about performance on the ground of um, of restricting freedoms and restricting them pretty tightly. And, and, and I just don't like the idea that the government will have such a hold on us that they can decide whether or not we can even have money to spend on what we want to. You mm. know what I mean? I actually like the idea, Hunty. I've never done it, but I know you have. I like the idea of being able to go in and buy a car and pay cash. Mm-hmm. Now, I know you've done it. I've you done bought, it your, you bought, bought your last brand new car cash, didn't you? Actually, the, the black Jeep, I actually opened a briefcase and bought, I bought it with cash. And the little white car I bought the other day for my wife, I bought with my phone. They must have thought that you were a <laughs> nefarious <laughs> drug runner. <laughs> but the bad news is, mate, Australia already has set up their cashless bank. It's already running. I, I have no idea that. I have no doubt that, that this is where it's going to go. It's it, being trialled. It's already running. It so. reminds me of a Bible text that talking about the end of the world that says, uh, "Will neither those who make a call to follow Jesus will neither be able to sell or to." buy, and I think this would be an easy way for them to do that. Correct. Let's not get too much into the conspiracy theories, though. No. The Panama Canal oh, drying what a up. disaster. This is a canal between uh, North and South America. Have you ever been through the Panama Canal? I have not. Me. Have you ever been through the Suez? No. Me either. We need mm. to do that one day, That'd Andrew. That'd be cool. Hunt. That'd be nice. Both of them. Mm. That that would be, what do they call those bucket dream things I'd have? But, yeah, bucket list. But, but it's not a bucket list. It's not really. No, I, me I just, either. It's you know why fun. it's drying up? Um, El Nino. Yeah, but you know what's happening? They've had no rain. The locks go up and down. That's right. From freshwater lakes, not the ocean. I didn't know that. That's right. Freshwater lakes. Correct. And soon there's going to be not enough water. 80 Olympic swimming pools per shipping container get released out into the ocean every time they open and close the locks. So they're losing that fresh water into the ocean? Every time they open the lock. Uh, You know, when I read this story and, you know, rain's drying things up, is there any chance, Hunty, that they could change that to just the ocean putting the locks up and down? Or is it geographical? No, no, no. I think they could certainly put pumps in and change that. But then would the environmental people say well, you'll kill all the freshwater fish? You'll kill everything that doesn't like live in salt water? Yeah, because those locks, they're freshwater lakes that they go through to get from sea to sea, aren't they? That's right. Gotcha. Mm. Mm, another, to me, just another sign of a world that's really struggling environmentally. I don't cop this idea that I hear, and especially from some Christians, that the world is not battling environmentally. It is, mate. We are. 
Uh, you can call it global warming, you can call it whatever you want, but it's, it seems like the world is getting old and she's dying. Those little beautiful penguins, they're having to release the young into the ocean now before they're even ready to swim. Well, uh, I'm trying to, so the emperor penguins, I talked the other day on, on on the radio, I can't remember how many, but thousands and thousands of them have died because the ice uh, melted underneath them and put them in the water before they were ready to go in the That's water. That's right. That's exactly what happened. Yeah, pretty sad. Uh, this last one. Personal data breach. Look, open this up for us again, Hunter. Okay, well, look, there's a, few, there's a few things on the plate here. Some of the worst offending companies have got your data from 15 years ago. Yep. Now, that's disgraceful that they have that. It's disgraceful that they've not protected it, and it's disgraceful they haven't even done the basics. And the basics is called air gapping. And what air gapping means, if you do have to keep 15-year-old information, you put it on a server that's not connected ah, to the okay. internet. Okay. And so it's called an air gap, which means yeah. nobody can hack it. Yeah. But no, these guys have got 15-year-old uh, donation money from charities and donation contacts and bank details. What's the danger if they get my name? The danger if they get your name and your date of birth and your enough information, they can open a credit card in your name and start spending. Am I responsible for that? Accountable? Uh, your bank, I know your bank's very good, and your bank will look after you and refund you, but you've got a drama. If they've, if they've stolen your identity, then you'll have to start a new Facebook page, you'll have to delete all your credit cards, you have to start again with your driver's license, oh, and right. on and on and on. Already on my fourth Facebook page. <laughs> yeah, so... I, so uh, it's a problem. People mm. people on my Facebook page, Hunty, seem to be replicating us, don't yes. they? A fair bit at the moment. Yes. Hey... Is there anything, because we're running out of time, mate, yeah, 30 seconds, is, okay. there, is there anything we can do to protect ourselves as, you know, we're the consumers, okay. we're on the, we're on the Here's bottom. Here's what I personally do. I have only given my details to PayPal, and that's it. If I'm buying something online, it only gets purchased with PayPal. Therefore, my credit card details is only sitting on one server. And PayPal buys it for me and sends it to me. And, and PayPal protects you too. And they protect you. They say, if you get frauded, we'll just send you another one. I'll give you the money back. We're, we're out of time, Hunty, on this. But I, I just want to say this because I, I love watching you in action. <laughs> he is so protective, this man, of his personal details. I am. When we go to a shop and you buy something off and they want your phone number, Hunty. That's right. And I say, no, thanks. He never gives it. Nope, I do not. Oh, now, look, I don't want to say belligerent. Ooh. But, but never, words in the air now. ever, ever <laughs> gives his personal details out. And I think no. fair to say, Hunty, that I have been ripped a few times. You never have. So far, touch wood, I have not. Yeah. All right. You see these things? You mm. look up? You yeah. know, Jesus is coming. Hey, listen to Greg Laurie. Now, he's a preacher out of the United States of America. I'll say a little bit more about him in a minute. He's got some good things to say. I like this. Why don't we pray more often? Oh, we have our various excuses that we offer. We say, well, I'm too busy to pray. Are you? You know, I think how much time we spend consuming social media proves that we're not too busy. What are you facing right now? Have you prayed about it? In the book of James, we read these words. You have not because you ask not. Wow. I wonder if there's not something that God would like to do for you or in you or through you or provide for you that is not yours yet because you simply haven't asked. Maybe you're having problems in your family and it's unraveling. You don't know what to do. Have you prayed specifically about that? You have not because you asked not. Maybe you're sick physically and, and you don't know what to do. Have you prayed specifically about it? Pray about it. Bring it to the Lord and let's see what God will do. 
Keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. Don't give up. Wishness is anything too hard for God? I'll answer that question. No. Correct. Nothing is too hard for God. That's it. Hey, Auntie, in the 1970s, this guy that we've just been listening to, Greg Laurie, is a yep. young man yep. studying theology for the ministry, descended on Southern California with a whole group of young people. And what happened there was a revolution. A counterculture revolution. It was a hippie counterculture revolution, but instead of being based in drugs and free sex, it was based in Jesus Christ. Kelsey Grammer, you know who he is, don't yeah, you? Yeah, Fraser Crane. Did you know that? Yeah, from from the from the Fraser and Cheers and Cheers. That's yeah, right. I actually, he was Fraser Crane in Cheers as well. Yeah, he was. Mm. I, I, I've liked Kelsey Grammer through the years. I, I don't agree with everything he says and does. And, and <laughs> great actor though. Yeah, and some of the um, you know, values that he shares. But he's become a Christian. Really? Yeah, he has. Nice. And he makes this movie called. Um, I'll make sure I, I get the name of the movie right. Jesus Revolution. Have you seen it? I have not. You 
Please should go and watch it. I want it. to. Go and hire it at Love Netflix. <laughs> it's a story of this young pastor, uh, Greg Laurie. And it's made by Kelsey Grammer. Kelsey Grammer. Huh. It, it really, when I went and saw it with my wife, Lizzie, it made me cry. Huh. Because I don't go to the movies. I don't watch movies anymore, hunty. But this one, coming out of Hollywood, it's more, almost like Jesus grabbed him and said, hey, you're going to tell one of my stories. He grabs Hollywood and says, hey, you're going to tell one of my stories. Well, in that movie... Uh, Greg Laurie, his stepfather and him, because his mum ran away with him, his stepfather who he loved a lot, they were were parted. This is a story, and it's not in the movie, of how they got back together. Look, it's so emotional that I'm almost teary now, Hunty, with what happens in this story. I look forward to seeing it. uh, Well, you're not going to see it. You're going to hear it. it. You're going to hear it now. Listeners will get to hear it. You're going to hear it. I'll see it. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Run it, Hunty. Okay. Hey everybody, Greg Laurie here. You're looking at a replica of a memorial statue that's in Washington, D.C. to the lone sailor. This belonged to my father, Oscar Laurie, who adopted me. And obviously that's where I got my name. Here's a photograph of uh, my mother holding me when I was a little baby. And then here is Oscar, who adopted me uh, later in life. So... I think most of you have heard my story, and if you've seen the Jesus Revolution movie, maybe you have some questions. Uh, You saw my mother beautifully played by Kimberly Williams Paisley, but there were references to my dad, who she was leaving, and you wonder, well, what happened with all of that? So that's a true story. Uh, We were living in New Jersey, and, and... Oscar Laurie had adopted me. He was not my biological father, but he was the only man my mom married. She married and divorced seven times. He was the only man who ever treated me as a father should treat a son, and I really loved him. So one day I was getting out of school, and I saw that our car was loaded up with our luggage, and and I said to my mom, what, what's going on? She says, we're leaving. I said, where's dad? She said, he's not coming. That was the last I saw of Oscar Laurie for the rest of my childhood. So in the film, you see a very young Greg constantly sketching. And indeed, I was an artist and I was always drawing throughout my childhood. And he's drawing this little stump with the word Rapulalot under it. That's the Laurie motto. It's on our family crest and it means it buds afresh. So let me now finish the story. What happened in real life? I already told you. Uh, in another post, that my mother came to Christ later in her life. So what about my dad who adopted me? So I was a young pastor. Our church was just beginning. I was in my very early 20s. My son Christopher had been born. And I wondered, whatever happened to my dad? So uh, I, I found someone that worked for the Bar Association because he was an attorney, and she tracked him down. This is before Google. <laughs> So I get his number and I call his office in New Jersey where he's now living. He's remarried, has a new family. And I called his office. I said, hi, uh, is Oscar Lorian? And his secretary said, no, he's out at lunch. Can I ask who's calling? I said, yes, it's Greg Laurie. And she said, how do you spell your last name? I said, the same way he spells his, this is his son. I quickly got a call back and Oscar said, Greg, it's so good to hear from you. Well, as it turns out, I was going to New York and I was going to be preaching there in Central Park. And I said, maybe we could meet. He goes, yes, come and stay at our house. I didn't think he'd want me to come stay at his house, maybe just have lunch. Come stay at our house, please come. And so I preached in Central Park. I was there with Kathy and my son Christopher. We got on a train. 
arrived in New Jersey. He was waiting for us. And, you know, he looked just like I remembered him. So we spent the night catching up on all that had happened in my life since then. Well, Oscar had remarried uh, a woman named Barbara, beautiful woman, great cook. She made us a fantastic Italian meal, sausage, pasta, all that good Italian food. And uh, so she asked me, Greg, tell me how you became a Christian. And it's so funny because my dad sitting on the other end of the table, remember he's an attorney, so he's been in many courtrooms. He's literally sitting like this, this listening, not reacting. Barbara's reacting to everything I'm saying. He's just sitting like this, listening. And so I thought, wow, I don't think he loves what I'm saying. He was a very intelligent man. He would read thick books. He would read a history book in one week and then move on to another, always reading, always learning. Really an intellectual man, a very good man and a moral man, I might say. And so he listens to this conversation And then uh, afterwards, as we're getting ready to go to bed, he goes, Greg, will you walk with me in the morning? Now, I left out one thing. As it turns out, he had had a heart attack uh, just two weeks before I called him, and he almost died. He blacked out behind the steering wheel and ran into a pole. So now he's on heart medication. He has to walk every morning. So he said, will you walk with me in the morning? I said, sure, Dad. So I get a knock on my door at 6 in the morning, New Jersey time, Three o'clock in the morning, California time. I roll out of bed. I'm wiping the sleep out of my eyes. The brisk New Jersey air envelops us as we're walking along. And my dad says, Greg, I listened very carefully to what you said last night about Jesus. I said, right. And he said, I want to accept Jesus Christ into my life right now. Boy, did I wake up fast. I said, "Uh, what? He says, yes, I want to accept Jesus Christ right now. I said, Well, Dad, let me go over it one more time, okay? So I went over the whole thing again. He says, yes, I want to accept Jesus Christ right now. What do I need to do? I said, well, we need to pray. Now, remember, we're walking the whole time. We're walking through a park. He drops to his knees. I wasn't going to drop to my knees, but since he did, I did too. So we're on our knees, and I lead him in this prayer to ask Christ to come into his life. It was incredible. One of the most amazing conversions I've ever seen. Right after we prayed, he said, Greg, pray for my heart. Pray God heals my heart. I said, well, I don't know if God will heal your heart, but we can pray. So we pray for him to be healed. After we're done praying, he says, Greg, my doctor is not far from here. His office is right over there. Let's go see him. I want to tell him my heart is healed. I said, Dad, we don't know if your heart's healed. Well, let's go see my doctor. So we go into his doctor's office, a nice Jewish man. And he says... Uh, to the doctor, Doc, this is my son, Greg, from California. He's a preacher, and I just prayed and asked Jesus to come into my life, and my heart is healed. I'm thinking, oy vey, what is this doctor thinking? The doctor says, now, Oscar, we don't know about that. We have to run some tests on you first. They ran tests on my father. The heart condition that he had was gone. God, it actually healed him. I had 15 more years with my dad. He grew spiritually. He worked with the Gideons, distributing Bibles. He became an elder in his church. Just one of the most amazing things I ever have seen. And so in the movie, you just see Greg longing for his father. But in real life, Greg found his father. And Oscar then explained to me the family crest, Lori. It's a Scottish name. It means it buds afresh. And it's a tree that's been cut down, blooming again. And that really was a picture of my life. It had been cut down through all the things that happened to me as a child, but it grew again when I became a follower 
of Jesus Christ. I'll tell you some more stories of other characters in the film in our next time together. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. What a fabulous testimony. Beautiful. That made me cry. Yeah, it's great. You're looking at the relationship between a son and a father, and I just thought it was beautiful. This song is a new one for me. Yep, me too. Um, hadn't really heard it until a little while ago, and I don't know who sings it, Hunty, because it's... Uh, wish, n- the wish Nuts. Nail It to the Cross, is it? Yeah, well, The Wish Nuts also. We have two of their songs today. <laughs> it's just I don't have it on my sheet. <laughs> How do you know? I'm staring at it on the screen. <laughs> oh, so it's not on my screen, but it's on yours. It's on mine, Is yeah, that yeah. my fault or your fault? No, you sent me the link to the song, and yeah. I've got, I've got the, the cover album cover art on my screen, so... Ah, yes. so whose fault? Mine. Yes. I'm blaming you. Beautiful. Now, now listeners, I'm blaming Hunty <laughs> because he's the producer. So if I don't send the name of the people who are doing the song, <laughs> whose role is it to find it? Well, I'd like to just go back in time a little bit here in my space. Okay, part. let's listen to the song. <laughs> <laughs>
That's the Wishness with a great song, Hunty. Nail it to the cross. I like that one. About to interview a man that I've known for 59 years. He's had as big an impact on my life as anyone I know. It's my dad, Keith Grolleman. Are you there, Dad? Yeah, I'm here, son. Happy Father's Day for Sunday. Yeah, thanks. It's great to hear you, mate. You've been a, you've been a dad for a long time, father of four boys and grandfather of, I, I don't know, one, two, three, seven, seven, eight grandkids. How long have you been married? 60-something years now, isn't it? 62. Where were you born, Dad? Melbourne, Victoria. Did you hang around there long or...? Well, I was only a baby there, of course, and the parents did what they were doing, which was working for the Lord as a minister of the gospel. Your dad was a pastor? Yes. So you moved from Victoria to? West Australia. Now, so you grew up a pastor's kid. You you, you never knew anything but being a pastor's kid, is that right? Yeah, it's what they call a PK. Yeah, pastor's kid. I'm a PK too. Actually, I started off a farmer's kid and ended up a pastor's kid, Dad. Uh, yeah. Mum always says, doesn't she, she started off a farmer's wife and then she became a pastor's wife. She's still not yeah. sure about that, Dad. Oh, is that right? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> hey, um, your dad was a pastor, but he wasn't just a pastor. He was what we call a, what do they call a sawdust sort of. trail evangelist, really, wasn't he? He was an evangelist that would go from town to town or state to state. So that you'd go into a town, he'd set up a tent, dump some sawdust and some chairs on the floor, get a big screen set up, invite everyone from that town to come. How many would come to these programs that he'd run? Oh, anything from 100 to 200. Now, you had a, a special relationship with him, is that right? Yeah, yeah, very much so. Yeah, you, you were close. Very I remember Grandma, that's my my grandmother, your mum, uh, on a Sabbath day she'd want you to stay with her and go to church. Is that right with her? But you'd want to go with Grandpa. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah that's correct. And he would never force me to go to the local church. So I'd go with him to a different church every week and he'd sit me up the front, right at the front uh, of the church so that he could see where I was and what I was doing. Okay. Uh, so you, you had a great upbringing with him. Yeah, very. Yeah. When, you, when you got old enough, what, eight years of age, you used to follow him around a bit when he'd do these sawdust trail, these big tent evangelism programs. Is that right? Yeah, when I reached about eight years of age, I used to do all the... Uh, um, uh, slide projections. Uh, yeah, slide projector. And I, I'd work that. I knew next slide should be on Yeah. Screen. I could do it timing. He didn't have to tell me or not his head. He just knew I would know where to go. Sounds like you with me, Hunty. <laughs> a little bit. Hunty does that with me, I've Dad. I've got a crystal ball, though. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, okay, so you were his right-hand man. It'd be fair to say you were close to your dad. Is that right? Yeah, very close to him. Yeah, and he... he do yeah, go on. I went everywhere I could with him. He died, though, when you were still a fairly young man. He's 71 and a half. And you were what? 20, 20, 28. 28. And the day he died, he called for you. Is that is that right? Or well, have I got that right? He'd been in the lounge room where there was a nice wood fire. He left the lounge room and the warmth of it to go to his be bedroom and he just keeled over and died. But before he did die, he asked my brother to come and get me. You never did get there, though? I went there, but I was too late. He died. Have you got any I idea what he wanted to share with you or you just guess? 
Yeah, it's a guess, but an educated one. Yep. I'd said to him, I think I'll go to college and become a minister. Yeah. Some years before he died. Mm. And he used to say, oh, you can do a good work here, son. Stick with me, sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So I did. It was after his death that I went to, to college to study. So you think he was going to tell you to go to college? I think so. Yeah. Hey, yeah, he was, yeah go. I think he'd realised that uh, I should follow the calling. Now, it's Father's Day on Sunday, a, a day where we remember our dads. And I know through the years, having listened to you talk about your dad with much love and affection, that you're very close. Share us a quick story, Dad, about you and your dad, my grandpa. Okay. I was about five years of age and I went to school, in a Hurstville school in, in Sydney. And... Uh, we used to come home and we'd go past a hardware store. Now, we, my brother and I, he was my senior, he would say, we've got to get some wheels somewhere, but we got no money, and we'd ask Dad, and they say, I haven't got any money. You'd want these wheels for a billy cart. Yeah, for a billy cart, yeah. <laughs> that doesn't <laughs> surprise me. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but this hardware stop had some wheels in the window, and we, he spotted them, my brother spotted them, and he said, now, listen, you just stay near the entrance to this place, the, the doorway, and I'll go and talk to the owner about something up the back and take his attention. And while I've got his attention, you get those wheels and stick them in a the little bag and head for home, which I did. <laughs> well, we we got them, got them at home and we started to build them or put them on this billy cart. It's not really a good one, that's for sure. But anyway, we finished it on a Friday afternoon and we weren't going to get out there on Friday because Dad was home preparing for his weekend meetings, etc. And uh, so we had to wait. But Sunday morning he decided to go to the big tent and set it up a bit better, nicer and all that sort of stuff, put flowers in. And uh, there's our chance. So we took it out onto the roadway at Hurstville where we were living, the downhill road. We, we rolled down quite comfortably, pulled it up and rode again, and we got to about four. When uh, I said to him as a little brother, brother that is, I said, I think quit it and take, put it in the shed again up in the up in the truck. And uh, I said, oh, no, let's do another one. Well, that, my father came around the bottom of the street in his car, and here we were in the middle of the road roaring down in this billy cart. So he went home and he got out and he stood and waited for us. I saw you in. We said, oh, it was just an old bomb. Dad, don't worry about it. And he said, no, no, we get those uh, wheels. Well, we had to, I forget what we said, but And he said, well, you better go up to the the chook shed and uh, we'll talk it out when we get up there or through the day. And he put us in and he, he went in the house and there we were left alone. Well, time went by and dinner time came, so he decided a slice of bread, no butter, no peanut butter, nothing on the bread and a glass of water for our lunch. And he put it down on a tray and he went back in and then a few minutes later he came back with another tray at his own which was one piece of bread and uh, 
he uh, he didn't have any bread and a glass of water, and he sat down and he talked to us all the afternoon about not thieving and being and being upright. So I never forgot that experience. So he came and sat in the chook shed with you, um, yeah. and and he endured the punishment with you and told yes. you why it was a good thing not to steal. Yes. Yeah. And that taught us a lesson, and uh, the lesson was well learned. Yeah. And he put his arms around us and let us know that he, he loved us regardless of this bit of a mistake we'd yeah. made. But he, was, he took us back to the shop and we had to apologise to the owner of the shop that we'd stolen out of it. Yeah. Uh, well, it's a good story, Dad. Um, it reminds me of but, Jesus, how he comes down. Yeah. And kicks, hey, we do stupid things and he comes to you. He still feeds you. He still clothes you. He still looks after you. Yeah, he loves us. Well, Dad, I know you miss your, your father and uh, he's been gone a long time, but this Father's Day you'll remember him and I'll remember you, Dad because you've been just as good a father, and we love you. God yeah, bless you, mate. God bless you both. Yep, bye. See you next time. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. As I said earlier on, it is Father's Day this coming Sunday, it and is. I do love my dad, and he's been a great father. Hunter, your dad passed away a few yes. years ago, not not yeah, long ago not now. Long ago, no, still got all the great memories. You had a pretty good relationship with I him did. too. He taught me all the good things about me from him. <laughs> I was going to say something for whatever they are. <laughs> I was going to say something smart then. But you know, I like I like one of his favourite sayings: "If you're going to do something, do it well." Do everything to your best ability. You're close to your that. dad too. I was. I watched yeah. you look after him and care for him in his last few years, uh, right, really until the day he died. And that's it. Be a bit sad, bittersweet for you this coming Sabbath. Well, oh well, Sabbath Sunday, yep. Father's Day. You Father's know why day. I said Sabbath? Because we have a special Father's we Day. We do this Saturday. Yeah. 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 If you if you're in Northwest Sydney and you want to come to yeah, a special Father's Day service, come to our church. Where would you come to? For Samuel Place, Quakers Hill. We're in the Life Anglican Church, just behind the Elderly. I think you'll find. Um, a lot of churches this weekend will be having special Father's Day. Yeah, we're having, a, we're having a barbecue too, special Father's Day barbecue. And, of course, the father of all fathers that we remember is Father God, mm. who without him none of us would be here. Wonderful, wonderful God. This song, I Want to Be That Man, I kind of, it's from Brian Free, talking about his father, but also about the Lord. And um, I kind of dedicate this to my dad and to all the fathers out there. Son, with his Bible opened up, seeking truth with every single page he turned. Anyone could see, my daddy lived what he believed, with a gentle heart, a passion for Jesus burned.
That man, good song, hunty. Beautiful. And it's good when you've got a dad because not everybody in this world has good dads. I want to acknowledge that on this show. Mm. Some have some really bad dads who don't behave in appropriate manners and can cause all manner of damage. Mm. But for us guys who had a good dad like me, I think like you, hunty, I did, and many others out there, we thank God that we had those dads. If you had a bad dad, we well, can always look to God. To be your father. Yep. And he'll make up for the damage and the bruise and the hurt and the wounds that you might have got from your earthly dad. For sure. Uh, I want to do a Bible study today on resurrection, Hunty. Cool. I like to go back to this subject now and again. i got some new stuff to share today, though, on this subject. And it's important, um, really, because what happens to you after you die... Everyone wants to know that. You know why? Um... I don't know, it's important. Why do you think everyone wants to know that? Well, everyone wants to know the meaning of life and what happens after you die. But why does everyone want to know what happens after you die? What's the obvious answer? Uh, I don't want to be just pushing up daisies and that's it. Because everybody's going to die. Oh, there you go. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone wants to know what happens to you after you die because everyone's going to die. I'll push up mushrooms, not daisies. It's a pretty big question. What happens to you after you die? And Mm. I've got one word. Resurrection. Did you know, Hunty, that every single person who dies at some stage or another in God's great plan will be resurrected? Amazing. We have a date, every single one of us, with a resurrection, whether we like it or not. If you serve God, you'll be resurrected with the righteous for eternal life. If you refuse to serve God and to bow to him and to accept him as your Lord and Saviour, then you have another resurrection, and we're going to talk about that next week. Mm-hmm. 
But this one today is a really good one. What happens to you after you die? Hey, you know Kerry Packer? I do. Did you ever meet Kerry Packer? Because you, you work in media. You've I done some work, work channel. I did work at Channel 9. He was there, and I saw him, but I never got to talk to him. So you've been not far from him? I've been I've been very close, but never never spoken to him. Okay. He's a guy who, who started um, World, World Series, Series cricket. cricket. Yes. I, I probably have a lot. Also to- Super League. Um, Did it get no, going? No, that wasn't Kerry Packer, mate. That was Murdoch. I thought it was Kerry Packer. <laughs> no. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I'm betting that was... I'm going to Google that because I reckon I'm right. Okay, why don't you Google that right now while we're online? Okay. (laughs) Here he's doing it right now. Yep. Super League. Who was behind... Just put uh, Super League. Super League. And then just put um, Murdoch. All right, here we go. I'm enjoying this. Bet you are. So, Super League. No, that'll take you to Super League oh. Britain. Put, put, you have to put... See, uh, I'm going to put Packer. L- listeners, we're, yeah. t- we're, we're dealing with someone who's not a sportsman here in Hunty. <laughs> Super League Australia, and then just put um, Murdoch. All right, I'm doing Australia. Yeah, take Packer no, I'm out. I'm doing Packer. You can Google Murdoch if you want. Oh, I don't have to. Kerry I, Packer, and I win. I, Thank I you. Just, Back okay. by Kerry Packer. No, nah, let's have a look Thank at that. Thank you, world. I, I, I wouldn't want It's wanna. a beautiful day. <laughs> Listeners, if you can see me basking in smugness right here. We have these little um, <laughs> contests all the time. Hey, we, I, we really get a time for our Bible study. I, I run at about... Ninety ten loss. Why don't you? Why don't you just look at the computer that I screen that's in front of you? I've put it up for you to see. No, I don't. One of the things <laughs> I learned a long, long time ago is not to trust Hunty. Now I'll be back to you on that Super League. It says between Rupert Murdoch News Corp and back Super League by Kerry Packer. So that's right. right. Do you see Murdoch and News Corp? Yeah, okay. It was mainly backed by Murdoch, who put the money behind it, <laughs> Kerry Packer. Uh, and not it was his Channel 9 that ah, put okay. it to air. So, there no, you, you don't win that at all. All Kerry I've Packer already did, celebrated the victory, That's though. right, and that's why that's a sweet <laughs> thing. Now, we've got to do a Bible study. We do. We can't argue. We've, we've, got, we've got Harold Harker waiting for us. Let's go. Let's move on. Um, Genesis 2 verse 7. Yes. Let's find out first what a human being is. You know why I always ask this question on this subject? Because people say, oh, uh, my soul goes to heaven or to hell or yes. to somewhere else after death. My body is here on the earth, but yes. my soul wafts off somewhere. Let's find out what a soul is first, Hunty. Pretty okay. simple. We're going to go right back to the beginning of the world. This is a creation of man where God defines what a soul is, Genesis 2 7. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. So what's a living soul, Hunty, according to... It's, it's dust, dirt and breath of God. Yeah. So if you have a look at our body, it's made of dust, dirt, the same elements as the earth. Yep. That's why I always say we're all indigenous That's it. to the planet. To the planet. This planet, we're made for it. We're made of the very substance out of it. So... We're made of dust, God forms us, and then he breathes into us the breath of life, which is that miracle of God, which is called life. So body plus life that God gives us, that's a living soul. That's it. You with me, Hunty? I am. So the living soul is you. That's it. I'm one. You're a living soul. I'm a living soul. Yep. Our body with the breath of God that he puts in us that gives us life, that's a living soul. It's not some airy thing, airy fairy thing that wafts off after death. Now, Kerry Packer, the reason I went to Kerry Packer, see, I almost was arguing, I, lost I, my... I know why you've gone to Kerry Packer. <laughs> yeah? Because I remember when he died temporarily while he was on the operating table, he had an after, 
an afterlife experience. I don't, did he die on the operating table or did he fall off a horse playing polo? Well, when they were trying to revive him and trying to fix him, he actually died on the operating table. So it wasn't out on the polo oh, maybe field. Was out on the polo, but he was, he was dead for, for quite some time. Seven seconds. minutes, I think. There, there you go. What did he say? He said, I've been there, there's nothing there. Yeah. I've been there and I've been back. And I can tell you, there's nothing there. But there are other people who died and claim, you know, these... White lights and... All, all sorts all of kinds things. of great dreams. Yeah. Yeah. So, so who's telling the truth? Kerry Packer or someone else who has another experience? Because well, I can, give, I can, give, you a, Bible, I can give you a whole heap of stories yes. about people who have these out-of-body experiences when yes, they die. for sure. So who's telling the truth? I'll take my answer from the Bible. I thanks. love it. Yeah. I love it. Okay. What's the Bible say about a soul first? Ezekiel 18, 20, hunty. It says, the soul who sins... Shall die. The soul, which is what you, you me. If you sin, you're what? Mainly you. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. Sorry. <laughs> the soul who sins, what he shall die. die. Yep. And Romans six twenty three says what? For the wages of sin is death. Death. So that's why this is an important subject. It is because all of us at some sort, at some time or another, we're all sinners and we're all going to die. That's it. By the way, good day to Mark in your truck out there, mate. I sat next to him at a concert on Saturday night, Hunty, and yep. I said I'd say good day to him, and I'm yep. saying good day to, to you, mate. Yep. Yeah, good stuff. Big shout out to you. Thanks for listening. Yeah. Yep. Okay, Romans six twenty three. What's it say? Romans six twenty three. For the wages of sin is death. So the way are you a sinner? I'm a sinner. So what are the wages? Death. That's why you're going to die. Sure. So the question is now for me: What happens to us? After we die. It's a good question, yep, Hunty. Yep, yep, now, yep. how are we going for time, mate? How much time have I got? Okay, well, I've slated this to finish at... Uh, we're checking this because... three or four minutes, so we... Okay, let's on. keep going. Let's keep Ge- going. Genesis chapter 3. I'm going to go right back to the beginning okay. to find out the story of death. Okay. Yep. Now, the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the Who's field. Who's the serpent, Hunt? That's a snake. That's Satan. Yeah, this is Satan. He walked, this is, he walked this. into the Garden of Eden while Adam and Eve were sitting in there, and he said, G'day. He did. He did. In the form of a snake. In the a form of a winged snake who flew in, apparently. Shape. I don't know whether it was winged or not. Oh, okay. But where'd you get that from? Probably. Don't know. Where you get all my information? <laughs> nefarious sources. <laughs> I don't know. I haven't read that in the Bible. Okay. Maybe he was. Okay. I haven't read that. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. He, he was, he was it, a snake. Shapeshifter. Yeah, there you go. And he comes in, what does he say? Yeah, and he says to the woman, has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Now, we could get into this story, and we don't have a lot of time, but this is the beginning of the world. This is a little test that God sets up to decide whether Adam and Eve are going to make a decision to follow, to obey, and to listen to him, or to go down with the shapeshifter, with the devil, with the serpent himself, Satan. Mm. Uh, And there was a tree, and God said, don't eat it if you'll die. Uh, What did Satan say, verse 4? Satan said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Now, be careful if you answer, Hunting. I love to put you on the spot oh, like this, especially when you've got here a whole go. lot of things going behind the desk. Oh, there I'm looking got forward your... to this. Is that statement truth or is it error? Now, be careful. No. Oh, well, my, my simple classification of this is Satan's lying. Can I challenge you by saying he's also oh, telling the truth? Correct. I knew that was I knew that was a double-edged sword to this one. <laughs> okay. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. 
God said if you eat of the tree, you'll die. Satan says you eat of the tree, you won't die. Lie, lie, lie. Big lie. Lie, lie, lie. Lie. However, he does say you will know good and evil. Truth. Truth. They yep. didn't know good and evil before this. They didn't yep. know what was right and wrong. They didn't know what was sin, what wasn't sin. That's right. And Satan says you won't die. Lie. But you'll know good and evil truth. So that's how Satan works. He mixes the yeah, truth with lies. Yeah, he mixes it all up. Yep. And he tempted all Eve. And once she mm. tempted, once she was tempted, and Adam went down with her, they both ate of the fruit that that's God it. told them. They instantly began to die. It was a long process, but they instantly began to die. And since that time, we joined as an Earth of Rebellion. We've been dying. Yep. Now, aren't you ever sat next to someone who's dying? Sadly, my mum. Pretty sobering. Very. Pretty serious sort of thing. Yep. I've sat with you. You and me, you and me, together yeah. with a number of people who've been died. dying just yeah, recently. That's right. So we have experienced firsthand watching people die. We have. It's a serious, sobering thing to die, and I think sometimes you've got to step back and you've got to say, well, sooner or later, my dad says this, you get on the wheel, you've got to get off. Yep. Sooner or later, you're going to get off. Now, now, Hunty's about to turn 64, and I'm about to turn <laughs> 60. What are you laughing about? Thanks for adding 10 years to my age. 10 years! <laughs> that is a laugh. <laughs> We're both headed to 60. I'll get there before him. There you go. There I'll you acknowledge go. that. There's a bit more truth. Yeah. Um, Blended with some lies. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it's true. I am 60 in a couple of weeks, actually. You are. Um, mm. You start to think about life at 60, Hunty. You realise it's not going to go forever. We're going to die. We're going to die because we're sinners. We're going to die because we're caught in a rebellion. We're going to die because part of being in that rebellion is death. And every person who's lived before us, just about everyone, Hunty, has died. Everyone after us, if Jesus doesn't come and this world doesn't end, will die. And Hunty and I, whether we like it or not, Hunty, before we know it, we'll be dead. Dying. In fact, if you and me don't keep exercising <laughs> and get this diet and our, our change of life in place, we might be going sooner than we Mate, want. I'm heading out 90 miles an hour with my hair on fire. Yeah, yeah. That's it. Well, I won't languish in a nursing home. No, I just want to tell our <laughs> listeners that I'm on the hunty. Yes. And just as I'm, this is kind of my nature, isn't it, mate? I did an hour in the pool today, by the way. Yeah. You've been, and I had a salad for lunch. Oh, you've been doing really well. There you go. I, I commend you, mate. Thank you've you. Been doing you too. Really you've been doing better than me, though. No, different. We're that's, on a, we're, we're a different. That's annoying, too, by we're, the way. We're a, <laughs> <laughs> we're at different um, stages on our journey. We are. Um, so if we're all going to die because of sin, because we joined this rebellion, I want to know what's going to happen. We're going to read this text hunting, then we're going to stop this Bible study, have a song, go yep. away for a little bit, and yep. then we'll finish it on this program today, Great, just down the road a bit. Ecclesiastes like yep. chapter 9, chapter 9, yep. verse 5, 6, and 10. You want to read that for I've me, got, mate? Uh, 12, 5, 6, no, no, 10. 9. I was hoping you wouldn't say that. It was a spelling mistake. Ecclesiastes well, I 9. It. I love this text. 9. I'm thinking, Let me oh, Hunty, don't say 12, no, don't no, say 12. Okay. I love it's this text. 9. Yeah. The living at least know they will die, but the dead know nothing. Stop. We know we're going to die? That's it. You know you're going to die? Correct. Okay. Dead know nothing. They have no further reward, nor are they remembered. What do they know? Nothing. How much? Absolutely nothing. What, anything? Nothing. A little bit. Not even remembered. Nothing. They little, little nothing. bit? Tiny bit? Whatever they did in their lifetime, loving, hating, envying... Is all long gone. So how much do they know? No longer. How much do they know? In anything here on earth. How much do they know? Absolutely zero. Good. Nothing. Verse 10. Verse 10. Whatever you do, do well. For when you go to the grave, there will be no work or planning or knowledge or wisdom. They know nothing. That's right. And then there's no work. Do nothing, know nothing. So they know nothing. Yeah, I love that. Say that again. Mm. (laughs) I was thinking of council work. Do nothing. (laughs) You're going to get in trouble saying that. I know, right? Okay, shout out to the council workers. <laughs> yeah. I love you, and I think you're doing a great job, especially out when you're repairing St. Albans Road. We love you. Yeah. 
Um, for when the gr- you go to the grave, there'll be no work? That's it. No planning, no knowledge, no wisdom. Nothing, nothing, nothing. nothing. Hey, Hunty, as I finish this yep. little section, I know we're over. We are. But, okay. hey, I'm about to have another operation. You are. Not happy. Structural rebuild. Knee revision. Yes. When I lie on that Engineering. bed and they put that injection into me and I go to sleep, I know nothing. Effectively, you I'm hope. dead, aren't That's I? It. You might as well That's be. what death is. Yep. An unconscious sleep. I'm going to leave it there. We'll come back in a minute. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. People need to know the Lord. Lord, this song yep. is an Adventist choir from Fulton College, yep. an Adventist college, yep. one of the best in the Pacific. In the Pacific. And man, can these guys sing. Whew. Go for it. Every day they pass me by. I can see it in their eyes Empty people filled with care Headed who knows where On they go through private bed Living fear to fear Yeah. 
sure do need the Lord. I have no Amen. doubt about that. Harold, have we got you online? Yes, Lloyd, we're here. Good to have you here. Welcome. This is a great story of a man, William Penn, and you got me this time, Harold. I have never heard of this guy before. <laughs> and That's a great, great story of a great guy. He is amazing. Um, where, where, when was he born and where? He was born in London in October 1644. That's during the English Civil War when Cromwell's forces were beating those of the king. So he's really born in a time of conflict and, and trouble in England. Who were his parents? Well, his father was a very famous admiral, Sir William Penn, uh, and his mother was Margaret Jasper, so he was related to the top of the, the tree there. Yeah, he comes from the cream of English society. His father was not just a famous sea admiral, he was quite a successful one, although he, he copped a few defeats as well. I actually had a look at his life. It was a very interesting one. Um, but let's go back to William Penn. Where was he schooled? Well, he was sent to a grammar school, which educated the very best. Chigwell Grammar School in Exit, Exit in excess, in sorry, Essex. And a grammar school gave you the best education you could then. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Some of these great reformers and preachers and Protestant men of valour, it seems to me one of the things that is consistent with them is usually how well educated they are. What significant event happened when he was 10? Well, he was 10 and his father suffered a naval defeat in the West Indies, and so they, the family all came back to London and then went to Ireland. So his father had lost a bit of the shine at that stage when he lost the battle. Yeah, it wasn't looked upon necessarily with a great deal of um, joy by the English because they weren't losing too many battles back then either. Um, so he, he ends up in Ireland. Who did he listen to when he was in Ireland and what impact did he have on him? Well, as a young guy, he had started up and he accepted being a Puritan. That's living really close to God. But when he went to Ireland, he listened to Thomas Lowe, mm. who was a Quaker. And this preacher came to his family and this just intensified his feelings to be holy gods. Yeah, it, it actually took him to the next level, I think it'd be fair to say. Yeah. Um, when he went to uni in 1660, what happened? Well, he would have been, guess this, 16 years old, mm. and he goes to Oxford University. Mm. And he's there for a couple of years, but because he uh, listened and accepted the Quaker view and the Puritans, he rejects Anglicanism while he's in the university, and he's kicked out. That sounds a little bit like you, Hunty, getting kicked <laughs> out of school. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, when I read that, and I, I'm listening to this, I'm thinking... Oh, I made it all the way through without even a detention. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, Just saying. <laughs> where did his father then send him and why? Well, his father didn't like this very strong religiosity, and so he sends him on a grand tour of Europe and to a Protestant college at Samar in France, and he had to complete his studies there for a couple of years. What group did he then join? Well, you know... He comes back and the Quakers win and he becomes a Quaker again, decides to join this Society of Friends. So he's a, he's a real fair dinkum Quaker right through to the soul and the heart. Um, how many times was he in prison? Because this 
he was really out on the edge, wasn't he, of his society and his culture. He wasn't mainstream and it wasn't looked upon all that well. That's right. But because he would not keep quiet, he would preach and he would talk about his beliefs. And so he was put in prison four times for sharing his beliefs and for his writings. Do you think, and this is a question out out of left centre, do you think because of his father he possibly got it a bit better than some of the others because the Quakers were getting a hard time at uh, this time in history in England, weren't they? It sure were, yeah. I was just wondering whether his father's influence had some sort of bearing well, on it. It may have ameliorated it a little bit, but uh, he still got kicked out. I guess we'll never know. So he ends up in prison four times, but he's not, not just a preacher and a teacher, he's a writer. What sort of things did he write about? Well, he's an author and he writes 42 books and pamphlets in the next few years, and he's talking about his relation to the Lord. And yet he's, and he's also on the attack against the established church. Would it be fair to say that? That's fine. He attacked the beliefs of the Anglicans, the Roman Catholics, and any other dissenters because he was really a, a hot uh, Quaker Society of Friends guy. He ends up in the Tower of London, another prisoner, another time. Um, was that his Quaker beliefs? Yes, it was. There was another time there. One of the times he's, he's put in prison, but he uses that time to write his most famous book, No Cross, No Crown. Mm-hmm. In other words, those who follow Jesus are going to suffer. He was a preacher. Where did he preach? Yeah, he was a great preacher, and uh, he's probably he preached about religious toleration, and the Quakers were being persecuted, and he said everyone should be free to worship the Lord as they saw a fit, and so he preached this, and he was arrested and imprisoned. They said he's trying to incite a riot, but the riot was against the establishment of the ch- of the local church. Now, we'll come back to his trial in a minute, but would it be fair to say, Harold, that he was the father of religious tolerance in England, or do you think I'm taking it too far? No, you're not. He was one of the best exponents, and he's remembered for preaching and talking about religious toleration. Tell us of the trial. Okay. At the trial, he's... Uh, he shows that the trial is illegal. And remember, he'd, he'd read law for a year or two as a young guy. Yeah. And now the jury accepted what he said and refused to bring in a guilty verdict. Now, let me tell you, because the jury saw that he was right and let him go, they were fine and they were in prison too. <laughs> Quite amazing, really. But but we can have a little smile at what's going on here. It's very serious stuff. And again, this is the beginning of not just uh, freedom of religion in England, but freedom of the jury to make decisions outside of what the government or the powers of the day would have uh, them making. Is that correct? That's right. You're on it. So these are these are big times. Um, did his father, the old sea admiral, the old warrior for England, did he ever reconcile to William's beliefs? Uh, yes, he did. He must have said this guy is really sincere. Mm. And before, by the time his father died in sixteen seventy, he had been reconciled to William. Did William get married? Did he have a family? Yes, he did. In nineteen, in, sorry, sixteen seventy two. 
so he would have been 28. He married a Quaker lady. They had eight children, four of them dying while they were just infants. Yeah, that was a very sad time for kids. You know, a lot of the children would perish before they got too old. Tell us about William Penn and his relationship to America, because this is where the story gets interesting and how he came to be the owner of land that later, and this blew me away, became the state of Pennsylvania, a state in the United States of America that I have been to. Beautiful place. Right. Well, he was a trustee for some of the Quaker proprietors of West New Jersey, and he and other 11 others bought the rights to East New Jersey. So he's now linking himself with this new colony over in America that became Pennsylvania. Named after his father, correct? That's right. Now, he's linking himself to this new colony in America because he's looking for freedom for his Quaker brethren. Is that correct? That's right. And in fact, before this, He'd gone right right around Germany and Holland, and he was trying to get thousands of Dutch and German immigrants to come over there and have freedom to worship as you wanted to. And they did go too, is that correct? Yeah. Because Pennsylvania has a Quaker history. It does. Yeah. Um, so he goes around Europe. He's, he's got this land in America. He, he goes around Europe. But he goes back. He, he, he's still working in London, too. What important work was he doing there? He must have been a busy man, actually, Harold, this guy. Well, he gets the big task. This place in Pennsylvania, he starts drawing up the Constitution. Can you imagine that? And it had freedom of worship was to be absolute and the traditional rights of all were safeguarded in this constitution. Now, the Constitution of Pennsylvania was one of the works that later on the U.S. Constitution was based on, correct? Yeah. Now, the U.S. Constitution has had a fair uh, influence on freedom around the world, including freedom here in Australia to worship and to live as we might want. He was significant, not just in England, but in the United States. His influence of tolerance and freedom to worship really has impacted the entire uh, West, Western civilization. Is that correct? The whole world has been influenced by people like William Penn who've stood up for the rights to worship and to have toleration of all. When did his wife die? 1694. He would have been... 50 at this time and she dies does he marry again yeah he does he married hannah kellerhill and seven more children and five of them survived to adulthood he went and multiplied just as the lord had said (laughs) he dies eventually when did he die well, he dies in 1718. He'd gone back to England, and he dies in Berkshire at a place called Ruscombe. He was 73, which was quite old for those days. Is is he remembered well? What can we learn from his life? Well, I think we need to learn that people who have suffered like this know that all should be free. Religious toleration is part of the United Nations Charter, it's part of our constitution. It's part of the American way of life. Now, Harold, you've been a leader in our church as we finish this interview, this story, really to some of the highest levels. You were the, you were the pastor in charge of the Australian church in your time. 
How important is freedom of religion to Seventh-day Adventists? I just want our listeners to hear this as we close. Well, freedom of religion is not just for Seventh-day Adventists. It's for everybody. We believe whether you're a, uh, an Islamist or a, a Hindu, you should be able to worship If That's your choice. Before God, you have that right. And as Seventh-day Adventists, we have an international uh, religious society called Religious Liberty Society that helps anyone in that situation. It's heart and soul of who we are, isn't it, religious freedom? It is. In some ways, we're children of William Penn. Well, thank you, Harold. I found that fascinating. Love that story. God bless you. See you next time. See you, mate. God bless You're listening to The Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. You like that, hunty? Thank goodness you're interested in the next song because I haven't found it yet. I have no idea (laughs) what the next song is because... Sweeter as the days... Go by. You know why I didn't know? Because I can't. The screen's gone blank. Oh, has it? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'll fix that for you. This is, now. is this that is, is that better? Yeah, now? yeah, yeah. Good. This is Canton Junction, yep. who I really like, and this song, "Sweeter as the Days Go By," talking about serving Jesus. One of the, one of the reasons, Hunty, we think it's important to have religious freedom is because we want to worship Jesus in religious right. freedom for sure. And there's a lot of places, no organisation, no movement cops it more. In the world today, when it comes to religious freedom than Christianity, and right now Christians suffer more than any other group when it comes to religious freedom, many right now dying for their freedom. And you know why they do it? Because walking with Jesus, it truly does, it's not a cliche, it gets sweeter and sweeter as the days go by. Trust him, the more I love him, nothing good for me he'll be nine. The longer I know him, the better I could show him. I couldn't stop now if I tried. Oh, it gets sweeter as the days go by. It gets sweeter as the moments fly. Love is richer, deeper, fuller, sweeter, 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 sweeter as the days go by. The moment he saved me, his good grace he gave me, he places love down deep in my heart. There's great joy in knowing, with him I am going, and never more from him to depart. As the days go by, it gets sweeter as the moments fly. His love is richer, deeper, fuller, sweeter, 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 sweeter as the days go by.
That's Canton Junction. Sweeter as the days go by, and it sure does. Now, Hunty. Very good. We finished our Bible study off with the thought, with the truth. Yes, that right. We, when we die, know nothing. Like me, when I go into my operation in a few weeks' time, very unhappy about that, aren't you? Mm. You know what I have to do? It's a shame to have your knee read enough to have something just been done. Well, it was done six years ago. Is that long ago, was it? Yeah. Wow. But you know why I have to do it? Because the knees are dud. Yes. And you know what? It's, an, it's Ex-Attack. Oh, can I say that? Oh. Yes, I can. Well, you can. I can. Because this, this class is... Class action, are you? Yeah. Yep. But not worrying about that. Yep. Um, when they stalled the knee, and it was, mine was only stalled for two years, but most of them had been stalled for six, they didn't seal them properly. Oh. And so oxidization got to the knee, and especially to the spaces, and mm. so they got to open me right up and pull the stuff out and mm. redo it. And But when they, in you know, when they put me to sleep... Um, you know what it's like? You're counting one, two, three, and you're waking up. Mm. It truly is an unconscious if you've ever had an operation. Plenty of operations. Comatose state. Yep. You wouldn't know. I, I could go to sleep and never wake up again. I wouldn't know and it wouldn't matter to me. There you go. It mattered a lot to my family. But sure. that that's kind of a little snapshot on what death is. And so when, when churches, especially churches, are preaching and teaching this stuff that when you die, you go to heaven, or when you go to die, you're going to go to hell, it's not true. Bob doesn't it's not say it in anywhere. the Bible mm. anywhere. True. I'm going to show you that in a minute. But I want to show you something, because I think it's important you know this, about God's knowledge of who you are, your molecular, your DNA makeup. God created you. He designed you. He made you. He knows who you are, and the Bible makes that very clear. Psalm 139. I'm reading this from an older version because I like the way that the words are put together yep. in this version, Auntie. Yep, yep, yep. Read it, mate. For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. This is verse 13. Yep. I will praise you. For I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Amen. Marvellous are your works. And that my soul knows very well. Now watch this. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. That's just kind of symbolic language about how you were made by God in your mother's womb where nobody can see, hunty. Uh-huh. Yep. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. Isn't that amazing? The Bible, you know, mm, when I was just you a, a single mm. cell structure. Yeah. You didn't know whether I was male or female. God knew. Absolutely. And he put me mm. together. Now watch this. I love the way the Bible says this. Okay, your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. Here it is. And in your book, they all were written. Your DNA. Hmm. The map of who you are. God's book. Written down in God's book. I think that's symbolic for God's mind. Beautiful, beautiful. Hunty, he knows you back to front and inside out. Go on. Yep. The days fashioned for me when as yet there were none of them. Not only does does the Bible say... Oh, God has written down who you are in a book. Mm -hmm. That's that's so you can be confident he won't forget who you are. Yep. As you're being formed and made, he even knows your future. That's it. And I love the fact... That the Bible says, God says Hunty is written down in the book. His DNA, his molecular mm. structure, exactly what he is, is written down. Now, what I like that, Hunty, so that when God comes back and resurrects you, he will resurrect you. That's right. It will be you. That's you'll it. be perfect. You'll be sinless. I like that. But it'll be you. So when we die, if Jesus doesn't come, we hope, and that's why we do programs like this, because we want him to come. We do. But when you die or I die, when we're resurrected and we see each other, Hunty, through the grace of God, we will know each other. 
Hunty will still be Hunty and I'll still be Lloyd. That's it. We won't be going on diets, mate. Boys will be perfect. Yeah. That's it. (laughs) Job 19. What a Job. Now, Job lived possibly before Moses. The oldest book in the Bible. Did you know that, Hunty? I didn't. What does Job say? But as for me, I know that my Redeemer lives. He's talking Jesus. And he will stand upon the earth at last. After my body has decayed. So he's going to die. Yet in my body I will see God. Talking resurrection. I will see him for myself. Yes, I will see him with my own eyes. I am overwhelmed at the thought. He's talking resurrection, hunty. He is. So here's Job, Old Testament, yep. talking resurrection. Yep. Not talking about going to heaven, Not nothing about hell or or, mm, um, mm, any, or, or any other place that... Mm. These Eastern religions would advance. Talking about resurrection, I will see God. Yep. Psalm 16, David says the same thing, verse 9. No wonder my heart is glad and I rejoice. My body rests in safety. Ah, so when I die, God knows my DNA, hunty. And my body rests in what? Safety. Keep going. For you will not leave my soul among the dead. Who's your soul, hunty? That's who I am. That's, he's not hey. going to leave you among the dead. That's right. What's he say? Or allow your holy one to rot on the grave. Don't you love that? I love it. You're not going to stay there forever. Mm. When you die, that's not interminable. It doesn't mean it'll go on and on and on for eternity. It's not the end. Go on. You will show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever. The promise in the Old Testament, hunty, yes. of resurrection. Amen. Here's another one, Daniel 12. This is Daniel the prophet, lived 600 years before Jesus. What what happens there? What does God tell Daniel? Straight out. Many of those bodies lie dead and buried will rise up, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting That's disgrace. those two resurrections I'm going to talk about last mm. next week, Hunty, that I was talking about at the beginning of today. There are two resurrections. Every single person who's ever lived will be resurrection. Yep. resurrected. Yep. They'll be either resurrected to uh, everlasting life or to shame and reproach. Yep. And you make the decision today on what resurrection you're going to participate in. You do. It's not God who makes that decision, you do. And mm. if you choose God, uh, you choose Jesus as your saviour and you cling to him, uh, you give your heart to him, you let him represent you in judgment, which is what the gospel's all about, then you'll be rising up to the resurrection of joy, of, of celebration of mm. heaven and eternity. Mm. If you don't choose him, well, you'll be resurrected. You do get that, don't you, Hunter? It. But to a resurrection mm. of shame, and we'll look at that more next week. Keep going, mate. As, as for you... Now he's talking to Daniel Hunter mm. here. Yep. Go your way until the end. You will rest... And then at the end of days, okay. you will rise again to receive the inheritance set aside oh. for you. Beautiful. So here's Daniel, one of the great saints of the Bible. Yep. It doesn't say when he dies he'll go to heaven. What does it say? Read. I want you to read verse 13 again. Take yep. the time, hunty. As for you, go your way until the end. The end of what? End of life. End of the world. End of the world. Yeah, end of life and end of the world. You will rest, and then at the end of the when? days... When? Well, the end of the earth, the end of days. Yes, that's it. You will rise again to receive the inheritance set aside just for you. There'll be resurrection at the end of days. Mm. Now, Hunter, are we at the end of days? Have, have we reached? Gotta be, gotta be have close. We, yeah, but have we reached it yet? It's got to be eleven fifty nine. But have we reached it? Nope. No. So has there been a resurrection yet? Nope. No. So where is everybody who's died before us? In the grave. In the, dead. That's why you should not. And this is a very challenging thing for many people. Don't pray to the saints because they're dead. They can't hear you. Even Mary, the mother of Jesus, 
Is what, Hunty? He's lying in the grave. Dead. Dead. I say that respectfully because yeah, I know that challenges too. a lot of you out there. But the Bible says that the dead, that's Mary. The dead, that's the apostle, Peter, James, John, Paul, all of them. They've gone to sleep. They're lying in the grave, dead. So as we close this little Bible study today, let's close with a celebration of what Jesus does do. Here's resurrection. Here it is powerful, clear and simple in the Bible. This is what happens. Go for it, hunty. And now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died. So you will not grieve like people who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. Now stop there, and I've mentioned this before, Hunty. Mm. People go, oh, when Jesus returns, he'll bring back believers who have died. And they go, oh, he's bringing them back from heaven. No. No. He's coming to earth Mm. to get believers, read the text, and he's going to take them back. Yep. To heaven. Listen to me on this, Hunty. John mm. 14, 1 to 3. Let me recount this by heart. You can do it too. Yep. In my Father's house yes. are many, many mansions. If it were not so, I, I would, would have, have told, told you. you. Now, Jesus says, I go to prepare go a place for you. you. And if I go, I'll prepare a place. I will come again yes. and receive you, you so that you will be where I, I am. am. Yep. So he's gone to prepare a place and he's coming back. Yep. Why? To take us to be where he is. Yep. Keep going, bro. Okay, verse 15. We tell you this directly from the Lord. We who are still living when the Lord returns will not meet him ahead of those who have died. Now, here it is. Quintessential, Mm -hmm. definite, simple. Mm -hmm. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God. First, the believers who have died will rise from their graves. Then... Together with them, we who are still alive and remain on earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. So encourage each other with these words. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. This is another new song, No Bones About It, from Kingdom Airs.
about it. Jesus certainly isn't in the grave. Alrighty. Well, that song certainly uh, rocks along nicely. Um, who does that come from? from? <laughs> that bass guy was low. <laughs> Loved it. But but who sung that? Uh, okay. That song was by <laughs> Kingdom Airs. Do you know those guys? Uh, no, but I do now. No, I don't either. I do now. Yeah. Hey, it's time for my favourite segment, Ask the Aussie Pastor. Yeah. And mate, you are under the magnifying glass like an ant under the magnifying glass in the sun today. Can I tell you, I've seen the questions. All right. Phone number. Let's go with the phone, phone number. number. If you want to send the question and we'd love to hear from you, text them to us on 0488 or you can email them to us and the email address is simple, theaussiepastor at gmail.com. All right. First question. Uh-huh. Did Adam and Eve experience grace before they ate from the tree of knowledge of good and evil? It's a good question. It is a good question. Who did that come from? Uh, don't know. Don't know. No name? No. Um, grace is a special thing that God made for sinners. 
Sinners need grace. Yep. Grace is that thing that comes down, puts its arms around us, forgives us, takes the penalty of our sins and pulls us out of the quagmire and makes us new people. So grace is for sinners, hunty. Um specifically for sinners. So grace is a special ministry of Jesus for sinners. So did they need grace before the fall of mankind? Probably not. Why? Mm, true. They weren't sinners. True. Grace is for you and it's for me, mate. We're mm. we're big sinners. That's for us. Yeah, that's yeah, it's for our that's, listeners. That's my truth. And if you want grace, mm. all you gotta do is ask Jesus and he'll give it to you. It's available right now for yeah. free. Mm. Okay, why hasn't Jesus come back yet? Oh, that's a good question, isn't it? Is, it? it and is. the answer is, I don't know. <laughs> How what, does can... what does the Bible say about when he's going to come back? I know it says he'll come back like a thief in the night. We won't be ready. Well, we will be through grace. Yes, ready. Yes. Um, look, Matthew twenty-four, Luke twenty-one. I think it might be Mark fifteen or somewhere around there. Has these great chapters that explain what it'll be like just before the end of the world. But when will that happen? I don't know. I don't know the mind of God. I'm not in the mind of Jesus. Um, I can look at the signs and say, I think it's going to be soon. Why hasn't he come back? I don't know. How, how could you answer that question, Hunty? Yeah. I, I can't. You can't. Um, the Bible says we won't know. Yeah, I can't mm. answer that. Why hasn't he mm. come back? He'll come back mm. when he's ready, and I'm prepared to wait for that. And if I die waiting, I don't mind. This idea that people waited for a long time for Jesus to come back is not true, man. How long have you been waiting, Hunty? My whole life. Not long. Oh. Is it? It's How long's your is, life? It is to me. You, yeah, but your life is just a whiff in the grass. Yes. Here is, today, gone is, tomorrow. It is but a blink. You have not waited long, and you're not going to wait long because, mate, unless you get out and start exercising, unless I do, <laughs> we'll be we'll be in the grave waiting for Jesus. You know, when you die, from the moment you die to the moment you see Jesus, it could be a thousand years, but yep. for you, it's a moment. It's a blink. Yep. Um, so, look, uh, I don't know why he hasn't come back. He'll come in his time. The main thing is be ready mm, be when ready. he comes back through so grace. Through. Yep. This next question I heard asked of Julia Gillard last week. Oh, okay. And this, now this does put <laughs> this me This is on a edge. ripper of a question, this one. Yeah. Her answer was mainly word salad, but she threw in something about prisons and an elite athlete. So here's the question. I bet our listeners can guess what it is. <laughs> Pastor Lloyd, what is a woman? Ah, I was wondering how Dare long... you answer this? <laughs> yeah, of course. No worries. Female. What What are they? What are men, XX, and women are XY? Is that how it goes, hunty? Yeah, the chromosomes, something like something that. Something like that. I forget. I mean, a woman is a female. Oh, that was a big lie. Biologically. Lockdown. I wanted to see you melt a bit under that one. There's no melting. A woman is a woman and a man is a man. God made men and God made women. You're either one or the other. You might not like it. I get that. Actually, I like being a man, hunty. I don't want to be. <laughs> I To all you women out there, God bless you. I think you do it really quite hard at times in this world. And even now in this... Uh, you know, they say women are smarter than us. Uh, I don't buy that. <laughs> I don't buy that women are smarter than men, and I don't buy that men are smarter than women. There you go. I, I'm a great believer that God makes people men and women 
he gives everybody the gifts that they need to get through life. Um, I don't know. I wouldn't say I'm the smartest man on the block, but God looks after me. He cares for me, and he gives me the guidance and the leading that I need through the Holy Spirit. So maybe I'm smarter than most because i got the Holy Spirit. How's that, Hunter? Yeah, that sounds But good. a woman is a woman, and a man is a man. Okay. Can I get into trouble for saying that in Australia? No. Uh, maybe, no. Maybe in no. Victoria. No. 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 True. All right, moving on. Um, this is the one we've had in various forms over the years. Is God against people being rich? Isn't that selfish? I have never heard that question, have I? I, I feel like we've had it in different forms before. Have we? Anyway. That's what I mean. You're smarter than me, so you're going to pick that up. <laughs> what is it again? Is God, is God against people being rich? Hope not. Yeah, exactly. And I don't say that because I'm Especially rich. if God blesses the people I don't who are rich. S- I don't say that because I'm rich, because I'm not rich. No. Um, look. Let me think back into the Bible. Job, who we've been talking about today, mega rich, probably a billionaire in his day. Wow. Um, David the king, mega, 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 mega rich. Um, I'm just trying to think of some others, hunty there. Uh, Abraham, really, really rich. Yeah, yep, yep. So Solomon. Solomon, yeah. There, there are guys in the Bible who love God and who serve him very faithfully, Mm. who are very, very rich. And there's a lot of poverty, poor, stricken people in the Bible too. Each of the disciples, I mean, you're not going to get a poorer man than Paul, than Peter, than James, than John. Mm. These early apostles and disciples and servants of Christ, those in the church, were poor as church mice. I don't think God looks at you and says, oh, you're rich and I've blessed you and you're poor and I've cursed you. It's not how it goes. We all have different roads to walk in life, and some of us are rich and some of us are poor. Mm. Um, I would say this, though, that if you're rich and you're a Christian and you're a believer, you've got a God-given responsibility to use your gifts to advance his cause. Mm-hmm. I think too much I see in our rich Western civilization, and in some sense every single one of us in the West is rich, even those who are unemployment um, get a lot more money than people in countries you've worked in, Hunty. Yeah. Um, I, I think we have a responsibility to be generous, to help those in need, to help the poor, um, and to use our money to advance the kingdom if you're a Christian and a believer of God on this planet. So, no, God's not against rich people. Mate, i got a bunch of great questions. I'm going to have to roll over to next week. Okay, how, That's well, all how, we have time for. We are out of time. Not even time for one more. Not even time for one more. So our last... You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. You could pull the handbrake on, but I'm still going forward. <laughs> not giving me any moves. No mercy today, mate. Every every single week, I get hauled up. I'll fly away, Blackwood Brothers. Okay. Fulfilled on every hand There's a sense of expectation Blowing in the wind I know it can't be long Till Jesus Christ comes back again I'll fly away home And wait this world's a long way in morning When I hear that shout from heaven I'll be Day, I'll fly away. I'll fly away. 
Resurrection will occur. Yep. And uh, whether I die or whether I live, I can't wait for that day because I know I'm going to see those who I've loved, who love Jesus. And that's going to be a day of celebration and joy. And I hope and pray you're a part of that resurrection too. The resurrection of the righteous. The resurrection of those who love Christ, who love Jesus, who've given their hearts to him. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we come before you. We are sinners, but we are repentant. And we live under your grace. Grace that saves. Not only does it save us, but through the Holy Spirit comes into our life and changes us. Yet it is your grace alone, Lord Jesus, that saves us. May that be the experience of every single listener we have. It's my prayer in your yes, name. Lord. Amen. Amen. My name's Lloyd Grolleman. I'm the Aussie pastor, and I love you. And my name's Hunty, and I'm the tech, and I love you too. But you know what? Jesus, he loves you so much more. You know I had a brain blank then. Well, that's why that's why I took over your line. <laughs> See you guys next he time. He does. God loves God you much, so much more. Hang on through the pain and the darkness. Jesus is coming. Resurrection is not far away. See you next time. See Bye. Ya. Thanks for joining the Aussie Pastor. If you enjoyed today's program and would like to find out more about Jesus, our ministry, or ways to support us, go to findjesus.tv.